Welcome back, listeners, again to the Steelers burning question. And the burning question for this week is, are the Steelers planning to go back to Mason Rudolph? I want to apologize for the technical difficulty at the start of the show a couple of minutes ago. But the burning question for this week, again, is are the Steelers planning to go back to Mason Rudolph? And I came up with this question, or Jeff helped me came, come up with this question, based on an article that he published earlier this week, based on reports that Mason Rudolph got a lot of first-team reps. Now, typically, when in, in, in a quarterback situ situation in a scenario, the starter gets all of the first-team reps. And typically, in this scenario, with two inexperienced starters, you would think that Devlin Doug Hodges would get all the reps in preparation for the Jets game, given the fact that he just came off of a game with four interceptions. So I, I think Jeff astutely, looking at the tea leaves, wanted to think and ask the question, could this be a sign of a short leash for Devlin Hodges? And let me jump into a quote that Mike Tomlin had in his Tuesday press conference when he was asked about the leash on Devlin Hodges. He wrote the following. I don't anticipate or plan for failure. I anticipate him doing great. I anticipate him responding to the challenge. I anticipate him doing a great job of moving our offense and taking care of the ball. I haven't pondered the possibilities of that, and I won't. I will cross that bridge if and when it comes. I understand what the coach is saying. However, when you split first team reps, what you're saying is I need to get the other guy ready in case this guy kills us and blows up the game. Now, I don't think that necessarily means that they're going to move to Mason Rudolph like immediately next week. Mason Rudolph is going to be the starter. I don't think that. But what I think Tomlin is doing is he's hedging his bet to have Mason Rudolph prepared and ready in case the game gets away from Devlin Duck Hodges. And I think he should. And I think that's prudent because of the importance of the game. But in terms of the overall question, if we're going to take a macro look at this, are the Steelers planning to go back to Rudolph? I think the answer to that question lies into something that I've used to analyze free agent decisions and player personnel decisions since I've been doing podcasting for years. And that's the three P's. And if you guys aren't familiar with the three P's, they come in a, a variety of you know instances or I put them in a different order. And the three P's are as follows. Pedigree, pay, performance. Sometimes I say performance, pay, pedigree. So I interchange them. Essentially, what I mean by pedigree is what was your pedigree when you came into the league? Where were you drafted? Were you a first-round draft pick? Were you undrafted? Were you a second? Were you a seventh? What was your pedigree like coming into the National Football League? Number two is pay. How much are you being paid? How much will it cost the team to waive you? And lastly is performance. How well are you performing? So I think when you look at this the three P's, and you look at the, the, the question of are the Steelers planning to go back to Rudolph, I think the three P's, and let me break them down to point in a very direct direction. Number one is pedigree. 
Mason Rudolph came in as a third round draft pick. In fact, the Steelers gave up picks to move up to select Mason Rudolph. Devlin Duck Hodges, of course, is an undrafted guy from Samford who won a duck calling contest, and that's how he got his nickname and got a $1,000 bonus. In terms of pay, both, I think the pay is, is a moot point because both aren't being paid a lot. Mason Rudolph's getting about 900K. Duck is getting about half of that 495. If Duck were waived, they would have a $495,000 cap saving. If Mason Rudolph were waived, $192,000 cap saving. So in terms of pay, I think it's a moot point. In terms of performance, I also think it's a moot point. Mason has started nine games, thrown for 1,600 yards, 12 TDs, nine interceptions. Duck Hodges has started, has made six starts, thrown for 884 yards, five TDs, six picks. So I think from a performance perspective, it's moot because I think they're both young players. I think they're both ascending, but I think they're both average. So I think when it comes to the three Ps, I think what's going to determine that question of are the Steelers planning to go back to Rudolph, it's pedigree. Pedigree is hard. If you're going to beat pedigree and you're coming into the league as an undrafted player, to beat pedigree alone, your performance has to be outstanding. He would have had to have, in his starts, thrown for like 20 touchdowns, one interception. The offense was rolling. They're averaging 28, 29 points a game. Pedigree almost means everything when it comes to young players. Because if you have the higher pedigree and a team has given up draft capital for you, they will give you every opportunity to fail. If you have no pedigree, you aren't deemed as value as valued if you don't have stellar performance, meaning it is very easy to get rid of you because there's no cap hit, you're cheap, and you're average. If you put those three things behind you, you're essentially a camp arm, which is what Devlin Hodges was, which means that when you go to the question, are the Steelers planning to go back to Rudolph? The answer from a pedigree perspective, and when you look at the three Ps, is clearly yes. What Devlin Hodges has done this year has solidified the fact that he will be the third quarterback next year. That the three quarterbacks in camp next year who will be signed for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 2020-2021 season will be Ben Roethlisberger, Mason Rudolph, and Devlin Duck Hodges. And because Rudolph and Hodges have both played and started numerous games this year, it makes that quarterback position a lot better and a lot more stable for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's a win-win. So in some respects, it doesn't matter almost who they go back to because I think the quarterback room is better than it has been in a while. I think the other time when it was better was when they had Batch and Leftwich and Ben Roethlisberger. That was when the quarterback room was outstanding. But you've got two young prospects, two young players that have shown that they can play in a pinch if you need them next year if Ben does not come back 100% physically. But in terms of the question, are the Steelers planning to go back to Mason Rudolph? Absolutely. 1,000% yes. We may disagree with it 
But from a pedigree perspective, absolutely. You don't give up draft capital to move higher in the third round to select a quarterback that you're going to give up on for an undrafted guy that has average performance at best. You might not even do it or teams might not even do it if the guy was outstanding in terms of performance, but he would have to be to even bring it into question or into play. Let me jump into another quote from the article, and the article is on the site behind the still curtain.com. If you want to find the article, it's Mason Rudolph. It's entitled Mason Rudolph reportedly sees increased first team reps in Steeler practice. And it was written earlier this week by the editor in chief, Jeff Hartman. Outstanding job by Jeff. Uh, let me read a, a quote from Jacob Klingler from Penn Live. And he wrote, Devlin Hodges remains the Steelers' starting quarterback. And both Hodges and Mike Tomlin have said they don't know or how short of the leash will be on Sunday. But whereas Hodges was given as many reps as possible since replacing Rudolph as the starter in week 13, Washington said this week's coaches are having the former third-round pick practice in the same way Joshua Dobbs did behind Ben Roethlisberger last season, and Dobbs was the number two quarterback. So I, I think for right now in the immediate, they are getting Rudolph ready. They don't want him rusty after having not played, I believe it is, in five games in a row if he has to go in in a pinch to relieve Duck Hodges. I think that is smart and prudent. However, in the long-term view, in the 64,000-foot view at a macroeconomic level, are the Steelers playing to go back to Mason Rudolph? Absolutely. As the number two quarterback next year, I think there will be a surface conversation or surface thoughts and stuff littered in the media about that competition being opened up next year in camp. But I think it's Mason Rudolph's to lose from a from a pedigree perspective. They want Mason Rudolph to be that guy, to be the next guy. Unfortunately, I think having those two young guys bolsters the quarterback position. You have quality depth behind it. But I have not seen enough from either one of those guys from a pedigree pay or performance perspective to suggest that either one of those guys is the future franchise quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they're solid. I think they've shown enough to where you want to see more, but I would not go out on a limb and say both of those guys are the long-term answer or solution for the Steelers at the quarterback position. But for sure, absolutely, the Steelers are planning to go back to Mason Rudolph, not as the starter this year, but as the number two guy next year. And I firmly believe that he will be higher on the depth chart next year. Now, there, there's another question that I want to jump into. And this is why you guys have to read the website. You've got to go to the website. We do a fantastic job, I think, providing you with information on the pods. But you guys got to go to the website. You got to go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and you really got to read articles from a guy named Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey Benedict, I think, in my opinion, does some of the best work on the site, particularly from a statistical perspective. And he has an article on the site called, The Steelers Have a Great D, But There is a Glaring Weakness. So the question, the second question I want to jump into is, what is the Steelers' glaring weakness 
on defense. Now, I'm going to give you some numbers from the article. And again, check out the article from Jeffrey Benedict on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. The Steelers have a great D, but there is a glaring weakness. So let me give you these answers and these stats in terms of the defense. In opponent's territory, here are some of the stats from the Steelers' D. Yards per drive, the Steelers' defense is third. Again, this is in opponent's territory. That the yards per drive are third. They're only giving up 25.3. Scoring percentage in opponent's territory. First, they only give up points on 17.4% of the drives. Turnover percentage in opponent's territory. First, 26.4%. TD percentage in opponent's territory. These are drive starts, drives that start in opponent's territory. Second, 10.7. Now, let me give some kudos to the defense, just some stats overall to give some kudos to this defense. If you guys aren't aware of these stats as it pertains to this defense, they have the most picks, most fumbles recovered, fewest TDs allowed, and fewest field goals allowed. Let's frame that in a backdrop when it comes to drive starts. Now, we're talking about drive starts, and the stats that I gave you were in opponent's territory. They rank third in yards per drive, first in scoring percentage, first in turnover percentage, and first, or excuse me, second in TD percentage. Now, juxtapose that against when drive starts, In the Steelers' territory, yards per drive drops to 20th, 16.6. Scoring percentage drops to 28th. Teams score 74% of the time on drives when they start in Steelers' territory. Turnover percentage drops to last. They have no turnovers on drives that were started in their territory. And touchdown percentage is 23rd, 42.1. As an example, in the Bills game, of the 17 points that were scored on the Steelers in that game, 10 of those started in Steelers territory. 19 drives of the 160 drives overall that have started in Steelers territory, they've pretty much given up points on. So what we're seeing is, is that field position and turnovers as it pertains to this defense are absolutely essential and critical. What it is saying is that if a drive starts in Steeler territory, the Steelers have a very difficult time snuffing out that drive. And it's logical. Defenses can be a lot more aggressive. They have, you can give up a the punishment or, how penal a big play given up is, is ridiculous because of the short field. If you give up a big play, you give up a 25, 30-yard pass play, and it's starting in your territory, you're in scoring position. You play a couple of plays bad on a defensive drive, if it's starting your scoring position, it just puts you in a predicament to give up points. So what that says is, again, field position and turnovers are critical. If the Steelers don't turn over the ball in their half of the field, and if they can punt the ball effectively and get a couple of first downs every drive and make teams play the long field, 
it goes back to these ridiculous stats that we started with at, when I started this segment. Yards per drive, third in opponent's territory. Scoring percentage first. Turnover percentage first. TD percentage second. So this defense is absolutely dominant until drives start in Steeler territory, which leaves any defense vulnerable, but particularly this defense for some particular reason. I can't put my finger on why that's the case, but you don't necessarily need to know the why. You just need to know how to prevent it. And the way you prevent that is solid special teams and not turning it over. Some of the things I would think also in terms of why that's the case is, you know, like Ruben Oliveira said, teams can make quick passes for five to seven. And all of a sudden you're in field goal range. You know, if you start on the Steelers 45, you know, you hit a seven yard pass. Boom. You hit another seven yard pass. You get two first downs. Boom. You're in field goal range. You get three first downs, you're probably in the red zone. So it's just very difficult to defend on that, on your half of the field. And offenses don't have to do much. They don't have to string together a series of plays to score. Short field is paramount. If you can play with solid field position with this particular defense, you can pretty much book it that teams aren't going to score. Teams aren't going to play the long field against this defense and score points. So you can almost take a LeBeau approach. Don't You can almost bend, not break it. Don't give up big plays. Don't turn over the ball. The offense doesn't turn over the ball, and you'll be in solid. You'll be solid. You, this defense will hold up. So that's why it's so critical when you talk about the Steelers and the streak, will it be 22? Will it be 22 consecutive games that they get a turnover? If they don't turn it over against the Jets, and if they can punt and get a couple of first downs every drive and, and limit three and outs, they're going to make it very hard for the Jets to score. But the glaring weakness of this defense, as pointed out in these numbers, you know, let me give you the numbers again. When drives start in Steelers territory, and, and, and let me let me give you the caveat. This is even after Minka Fitzpatrick. These are AM stats, after Minka stats. So these don't even account for the first couple of games pre-Minka because we know this defense was different after Minka. So these are after Minka stats. So again, if the Steelers, if teams are starting drives in Steeler territory, yards per drive, 20th, Scoring percentage, 28th. Turnover percentage, 24th or last because they have zero turnovers in no scenarios. Touchdown percentage, 23rd. Make teams start their drives in their territory. Make them drive the long field. When they do, they're probably not going to score. They're probably not going to get a lot of yards. They're going to turn the ball over. And the Steelers are going to win those games. That's what the Steelers have to do. Stop turning it over and be solid in the kicking game. If they do that, they're going to be very successful. I thought this was a very interesting article. Make sure you guys go to the website. And I'll put it up in terms of the comments. I'll put the link to both articles that I referenced in this show. I want you guys really to read the Jeffrey Benedict article. It is really illuminating. And it, it kind of felt like that, but it wasn't that evident as I watched. I mean, one of the things I thought was evident 
and I have to check the numbers, I'm going to ask the Oracle Dave Schofield to check it, is how many scores have the Steelers given up after opponents have scored? You know, what's the percentage of drives where they've given up scores after an opponent score? That's what I thought was a glaring weakness of this defense, but it may not be. But when you see these numbers, it is pretty glaring. However, it, it's something I think that easily can be fixed. Don't turn it over and punt the damn football. You know, Barry has to be really great. And just imagine if they had an outstanding punter with this defense that could seal teams inside the 20. I mean, they would probably win all those games. But let me jump into the live chat. Let me switch reels again. If you want to contribute to the program, hit the super chat feature, the dollar sign in the corner. You can get your question up. I'm going to go through the live chat now, go through some of the questions and see the comments that you had. Uh, also, we need the likes, man. We need those likes. We're trying to get to 6,000 subscriptions by the end of the year. I'm assuming you guys are going to get us to 5,000. I'm just assuming. So anybody in the live chat, anybody that is listening to the program right now, if you have listened for more than five minutes, hit your boy with a like. Even if you don't like me, hit me with a like. It's the Christmas season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Hit me with a like. Subscribe to the program. That's even better. All it takes is a like, a simple click. We got 31 likes here. Um, I think we got about 150. I don't know how many people we got in a live chat. But the people in the live chat and the likes, it should be one-to-one. -one. I think we got like 100 people in the live chat. So we should have 100 likes. So hit the like button like right now. Like, like, like. See? I see the likes going up right now. I feel like this is a, a, a telethon, like I'm begging for likes. But let me jump into the top of the live chat. want to give a big shot to Zachariah Barajas for being the first guy in the live chat. Big up to you. And let me jump into some of these questions as I chime through. Uh, let me scroll through here. Uh, big up to Jar Devil. Good morning, Steeler Nation. Uh, let's go here. Solar verse six. Big up to you. This is a new name in the live chat. He, he wrote the following. I just watched the Carolina preseason game. And if you go back and watch, he looks like a different QB in preseason. I think if he can get back to that, Mason could be a good move. That, that's very interesting. That's an interesting point. Maybe it's the stakes or maybe it's what the coordinator is asking him to do. But he did seem to play freer in, in, in the preseason. He did seem to be uh, that he made more stick throws, that he looked more comfortable in the pocket. And that could be a factor of he was seeing a lot more vanilla defenses. Nobody was preparing against him and that the stakes weren't high, that the lights weren't on, so to speak. But I like that Mason Rudolph. In fact, when we were, me and Jeff would often compare Josh Dobbs to Mason Rudolph, we always thought that Mason Rudolph looked electric, that the offense woke up when he came and played, and that there was an energy and a zing that he brought to the offense and that he was taking some risk and making some stick throws. And that's why I think Steeler Nation, along with ourselves, were really high on Mason Rudolph. Maybe it just changed as he got into games and teams prepared against him and that the lights were on, so to speak, that maybe he started playing a little more conservative and, and not trying to play uh, you, you know, balls to the walls and, and rock out type football. So I thought that was a good observation by Solarverse 6. Big up to you. 
Let me go back to and jump into a couple of more questions. Um, Rob Nash, the OC has the game plan to duck strengths. We've said that repeatedly on this show. And I, I, I think a strength is not having him throw it 42 times in a game. Short passing game in between the numbers and short to intermediate passes where you can pick up cheap yards, bust a tackle, get 12, stuff like that. Not having him force the ball downfield outside the numbers. If you want to throw it outside the numbers, throw it up the field on one-on-one coverage, not outs like he did against Tredavious White. Let me jump into a couple more questions here. Michael Perry, oh, thank God, finally made the live show. What's up, Steeler Nation? Big up to you, Mike Perry. Holla at your boy. And, and speaking of that, I want to apologize. We don't have a set time that we do the live show, particularly on weekends, because we have lives. We're doing stuff. It's the holiday season. People are out shopping, doing different things. So what I say is subscribe to the program, turn on your notifications, hit the bell, turn your notifications on. That way you'll get a notification as to when the show is starting. So maybe you can throw in your earbuds that you're going to get for Christmas, your Samsung earbuds, your AirPods, whatever you have. You know, maybe you can turn those on and check out the show when you're shopping, when you've been in the mall for like six hours trying to get that sale or after Christmas, you're trying to get a sale, whatever. You can have us in one ear. You can listen to your wife in another and you can ignore your kids in your third eye ear. But let me jump into the comments from Michael Toole. Why are so many people acting like Duck is the sucking coming of Drew Brees? It's ridiculous. Duck is not better than Mason when Mason is playing his best. Mason just needs his confidence back. I agree. However, Duck is a good story. I mean, it's about the story. You know, Duck is an undrafted guy. It's the David and Goliath. We all like the good story. I mean, he's a duck calling dude from Alabama who played for Sanford. Man, everybody wants to be that guy. Duck is the Rudy. He's the 2019 Rudy. He and he's in a Steeler uniform. So if you combine the story, the name, I mean, you know, the physical limitations. I mean, everybody wants to be that the duck guy. You know, Duck is the champion of the five nine guys like myself that could probably never play for the National Football League. So we root for Duck. Everybody root for Duck. But Mike is right. Mason is the higher pedigree player. That's why he was a third-round draft pick. That's why he played D1 and slung it for a zillion yards in the Big 12. I mean, Mason's the 6'5 guy with good looks. That's the captain of the football team and probably was the prom king. Nobody likes that guy. Everybody likes the underdog guy. And that's what Duck is. Duck is that guy. He's the living embodiment of that. He is that story. That's why we like Duck. Duck's Duck, man. How can you not like Duck? Um, Ram said, I believe Mason will bounce back. I think he will bounce back. There's nothing to suggest that he wouldn't. I think all he needs is another opportunity. I just hope he doesn't get that opportunity right now because he's inexperienced. He hasn't played for like five games. And I don't know how that translates on the road. I think I do. And I think that would translate into, as Mr. T would say in Rocky 3, pain. Pain. Let's get those likes up. Let's get those likes up. But I appreciate the 50 likes of the video. But if you guys can hit the like button before we conclude the program, make sure you hit the program or the like button. Richard Krikorian, Big Swa in the Valley Joe. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh. He must be a local guy. Big up to you, uh, Richard Krikorian. You know what it is. Valley Joe 707, baby. Magazine Street, the home of E. Feezy, 40 Fonzarelli. You know what it is. Also the home of Mac Dre. Uh, 
Mark Davis and I catch you going to watch Texans Bucks absolutely. And I think for Texans Bucks, we want the Texans to win. I think from a t- Steeler perspective, you want the Texans to win, the Texans to go ahead and wrap up the AFC South, and you want Tennessee. We want Tennessee and Steeler Nation to lose every game. I think Tennessee will lose every single game, and I think the Steelers are going to limp their way in. But I think the Steelers are going to play really well this weekend. My prediction on the game is on the standard. It's the standard. Make sure you check that out. Um, I think the Steelers are going to play very well this weekend. Uh, and, and the reason why I think so uh, is because they're going to have their best complement of offensive players back. You're going to get Juju, Washington, Deontay Johnson, Vance McDonald, and James Conner. That's the best complement of offensive weapons that will come back. I think that will help the coordinator in designing a game plan around what Duck does best. Duck needs playmakers, and I think those are the best Steeler playmakers. Thus, I think the Steelers will play well. Again, going back to a couple of the questions here, um, you know, what's the glaring weakness of the Steelers' defense? Turnovers. You know, offense giving the ball back and, and, and drive starts in the Steelers' territory, set up by turnovers and by the poor punting and kicking game. If they punt the ball well, can get a couple of first downs per drive and punt the ball well and, and, and play that field position game with this defense, the field position game really favors it with this defense. Mr. T Steelers fan 122 or 1223 said Lance. Why does Terry Bradshaw get a bad rap and not viewed as a top tier quarterback? I think it's the error. And I think it's the fact that his numbers are low. And I think it's the fact that he played on a team that had at least eight Hall of Famers. (laughs) I don't even know as many Hall of Famers, you know, Bradshaw, you got uh, Franco Harris, you got Stallworth Swan, I mean, you got uh, Mr. Joe Green, Ham, Lambert, uh, Mel Blunt. That's eight Hall of Famers. I mean, that's eight Hall of Famers that I named off the top of and a Hall of Fame coach. I I think when you have that much talent around you, I don't think you get your full credit. But Terry Bradshaw was a hell of a quarterback. I don't think he has to defend his legacy to anybody. He has four Super Bowl rings. Mark the tape, baby. He ain't got to apologize to nobody. But maybe because he was married to JoJo Starbuck, Maybe that's why uh, his reputation goes down. Uh, and I think I got her name right. She was an ice skater at the time. Um, you know, funny story is uh, actually Terry Bradshaw had a car accident with my grandmother. I think if I remember the story right, I think he rear-ended my grandmother. Um, or maybe it was my grandmother was in the hospital next to Terry Bradshaw after he got knocked out and was concussed in a Bengals game. One of those stories. But anyway, that's type of stories you get when you're from the north side 15233 that's the stuff that happens oh big up to my cuz steven johnson big up to you man big up to big steve thank you for catching the show my first cousin steven johnson what's good cuz glad to catch the show all love big up to you steve thank you for checking out the program shit spread the word in atlanta steve i know we got a lot of Steeler fans out there and steve man you gotta chime in give us a super chat and give us a question. Keep listening to the program. But I want to thank my cuz, my little cuz, my first cuz, Steven Johnson, for chiming to the program. And, and, and I guess with that, that's probably the, the best way to go ahead and close out the show. want to thank all you guys for chiming into the show. And, Steve, give me a like and subscribe to the program. Uh, also, if you talk to Will, uh, uh, you know, Will, Will Mason, um, uh, go down there and, and talk to him and ask him uh, to subscribe to the show as well. Um, 
big up, big up, man. Big up to all you guys. Big up to you guys for um, checking out the program. Um, and big up to everybody out there, man. I appreciate it. This is the Christmas season. We love doing this. Um, you know, Will Macon down in Atlanta. Big up to you as well. Um, you know, we, we do this. This is a labor of love. I think the Steelers are going to play well this weekend. I, I think you are going to see the best Steelers uh, that you can see. Um, and, um, yeah, actually, before I get out of here, I don't know what this guy, Ken Maureen, is trying to say in the live chat, but you guys need to go ahead and uh, uh, reprimand this dude because I don't play that stuff that he's trying to do. Um, I, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. There's no room for that you know, in the live chat. Uh, but with that, we're going to go ahead and conclude the program. And as all that, and, and with that, please tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.